tuned in to Transmissions, where each week Aquarium Drunkard presents a strange conversation for our strange times. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury, and this week on the show, I am joined by Elisa Ambrosio of Magic Markers. Magic Markers have a new album out now on Drag City. It's called 2020, so as you might expect, it's violently chaotic and also strangely beautiful. She joined me to discuss it, the value of good quarantine companionship, and discuss the idea of diving into music, figuring out how to really inhabit it before you're even sure what it is you're doing. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We'll speak more on the other side. we can start off actually just by talking about 2020 the record okay. uh, we so, named it before we knew <laughs> wait so, so so that that's that's great did you you guys named this record you know in advance like before you knew that this was going to be like an apocalypse year yeah we were you know like 2020 started kind of hopefully like it was kind of like uh it felt like sure. things were shifting culturally and uh there's like a real cool vibe around like end of uh end of 2019 I mean not real cool but certainly not this so I just felt like you know like you know that zero boys record living in the 80s there it's like uh so we almost called it living in the 20s but I didn't want to totally rip off the zero boys so then we kind of just went back and forth between 2020 and living in the 20s and then I was like okay let's call it 2020 because it was so epic looking you know it's just like and in the in Roman numerals like the two m's for magic markers and the two like like the the Roman numerals for 20 and 20, it just looked really like epic and like this I don't I don't know we <laughs> it's the worst year ever <laughs> so that's awesome <laughs> So, so the, the, uh, the, the liner notes, they sort of make a, a joke or the album notes, rather, they make a joke that the 2010s were too twee for magic markers and that, uh, you three only show up when, what's the term they use? Markers only appear in times of duress. Uh, <laughs> so I, I imagine to some, to some, uh, degree that's, that's a joke, you know, or at least partially a goof, but at the same time. Uh, this record does seem to fit the the feeling this year, um, and I wonder what that's like for you, having made it um, before this year. You know, is it weird to hear? Well, just kind of have it, yeah, or how did it work rather? Well, that's a good question, and I I know there's like it's two sided because we started recording like right at the like. I think around 2017-ish, 2016-ish, which is just like the like weird dark vibe of the administration that is currently in power happened. And it just, everything just seemed like, you know, history started happening really fast and everything felt really like culturally so weird. So there was already that kind of darkness or whatever that vibe is. 
Um, and, you know, I think something shifted like in 2015 or something, like before anything, something just, I remember like hearing about uh, Sandra Bland like being murdered and I was like like I mean her dying in in custody and I just remember and there was a really popular song at the time um or not nah by you know that song like the weekend does like a guest verse on it and it's just like uh it's kind of just about like doing sex like the rhythm is literally a squeaking bed if you like listen to it on headphones like oh yeah it was like the okay, song yeah. of the summer that summer and I had this like weird like sort of surreal like um that song would just like be on repeat in my mind and there was a woman online who did a like a, a sign language of the weekend's verse on that that song or not and there's like uh she, it was just like this woman in a messy room being like, pussy so good, got to save that shit for later. And I was like, wow, this like, and, and at the same time, like maybe somebody who'd gone to see like the Amy Schumer movie, like there, there was like a shoot em up at like a lady comedy movie. Right, just like, right. And it just felt like this weird shift. Like that summer is when stuff started to feel surreal to me, I guess. And that's sort of when we started writing this record, like, that's when a lot of the songs started being written and worked on or whatever. And then there was just an idea of sort of having, uh, like, in times that are hard, it's actually not, <laughs> okay, in the Great Depression, that's when Shirley Temple got really popular, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do you really want, like, a song, like, of, um, a jam that makes you like, feel the vibe of the now or do you want something that's like like this is soothing or comfort like like there's an ASAP Rocky song called Sundress that's like a really happy song I think it came out around 2017 2018 whatever and like right maybe that's what you want to listen to right now I don't know if you want to listen to something that's like feeling the vibe of the now because it's like not a great vibe but that yeah. said we, you can't help but like make something that is you're in it you don't have a ton of perspective you're just you're subjective and you're going to make your thing that is natural unless you're a person who's really good at pretending like <laughs> or, cre cre creating something that you know is designed some for some other purpose or whatever yeah yeah, and in some way we tried to be a little bit more optimistic. I mean, for me, I didn't try to be a little bit more optimistic, but I was like, oh, like, what's something that makes me happy? And like, one thing that I feel like over the past, you know, maybe, I don't know, there's a Scott Fitzgerald quote where it's like, um, like, in your 20s, you think love will save you. In your 30s, you think your friends will save you. And in your 40s, or what, like, or your 50s, I don't know, he died when he was 44, so he probably said 40s. Or maybe he said 30, I don't know. A lot happened to him in a very short period of time. So either yeah. in your 30s, you think your friends will save you. But when you grow up, you realize they never, nothing will or something. And it's just, mm. I'm paraphrasing really poorly, a very eloquent, kind of dumb statement. But I actually <laughs> have found like things moving opposite of that, where it's like, the older I get, the more I value like the love and friends in my life, kind of. So that was like an aspect yeah. of this record was the only joy that really like came of it was sort of like all of us together and just like, like just playing together and like that, that sheer, like the, the sheer, like 
there's only corny ways to talk about this. No matter how I say it, it's going to sound cheesy, but yeah. I, this is a pro cheesy podcast. So feel free <laughs> to get as, as earnest as you, as you want, because yeah, what, so uh, there is, there are some, some moments of this record that I feel like reflect the anxiety or the weirdness of the, the sort of spookiness of right now, you know? Um, I think that him to 2020 sort of has a feeling of, I mean, that's like really like just a little lament, you know? And I mean that really wonderfully. <laughs> I thank you but, so much. That was my serious, that was literally like, I finished mixing that in January and I literally like wanted to just like play. That's really nice. That makes me so happy. Thank you. Yeah. But, but then when, I mean, there's, there's a lot of variety on the record too. It's not just one thing, you know, I, I, I don't want listeners who are checking out this interview to think that like, the the record isn't also a ton of fun because it is you know uh find you ride it's got such a cool you know like vibe and and that dream parentheses shitty beach you know these are like <laughs> they're so you know th there's a lot of fun on this record so i did want to to zero in a little bit on that and ask you what it felt like to be making this record with john and pete you know after i mean it's been a while right so if you guys started this in 2015 it kind of lines right up with the last record, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, fairly well. Like writing wise, maybe some of the songs got written like around there, but then like, I think we started recording in like 2016 or 2017. I know I should know that. I have no idea. Time is a flat circle. I have no idea what's going on, but. This year, nobody is going to blame you for, <laughs> uh, for not having a real accurate sense of when something happened. Everything that every single day, it's like, did that happen on Thursday? You know, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. We it's Wednesday right now. And you're like, oh shit, I thought, anyway. <laughs> it's May 92nd or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like there was that sense of like, just the joy of playing together after a long time of not playing together. And weirdly, like, this is the first time I was coming into Markers having toured solo for like two years, like with other bands, with other bros, with other musicians. So it was kind of so cool to come because when you play with someone new, like there's, it's, it's like a relationship or something. You're like testing it out. It's like different. It's right, weird. It's right. like, and especially I'm not like, you know, probably it's not exactly the same uh, for everyone, but for me, like, it's a really personal, like, you know, it's not just like a gig where you're like, yep, you know, it's vamp any minor, you know, like I don't play that way. So it, it just, uh, yeah. coming back to magic markers was so fucking sick because we have this like interlocked relationship of just, um, like it's a friendship, but it's also like everybody really listens to each other. So improvising kind of takes on this different sort of, like there would be time, this is so, I'm annoyed with myself, but I'm gonna say it anyway, whatever. Um, this, there would be times where we were all just like, whoa, we all just like change, like everything would change at the same time and it wouldn't be on, you know, like that's, yeah. but it's little things like that where it's just like your, your pre, your brain is like pre, pre-processing like listening to each other like you know each other so well so in that way it was really really fun and also um we've been practicing and touring a lot before the last record and this one we were like I haven't seen you in like a year <laughs> like we just right. like, had, we're so far away from each other so it was a real like um 
it was just a treat. It was a treat, Jason. <laughs> well, there's a, there's an energy, right? Like when you when you're back together, when you're with people that you're like, oh yeah, these are the people I really want to be with. You know, there's an energy to that feeling that um, when you combine it with what you're talking about, which is sort of knowledge and understanding of each other as players. You know, that's a pretty potent combination. I have to. Yeah, and I think, like, part of what the band has been always is, like, weirdly more than the sum of our parts, like, where we're all, like, well, what did that, that was, like, pretty cool, did we do that? It was, like, pretty cool, <laughs> you know, like, we just, we yeah. all, like, we're better together, kind of, I yeah. mean, just, you know, a true band in that way, <laughs> we are not, like, yeah. We we had Bill Frizzell on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's well, so awesome. Yeah, he's the, he's the best. But I I asked him if he believed in like telepathy musically, like sort of connecting. Hell you know. yeah. Okay, and so he was very pro that. Have you experienced things like that? Do you feel Absolutely. like you're? In- yeah, like I mean, I'm not a very like magical brained person. I'm not. Like- there 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 is some astrology we're gonna have to talk about on the record. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I so I I feel like in my brain that uh i don't know then i live i live my life is joined with my, love of my life is very um he he thinks in a very different way than me about all of these things and he, he's often calling me out on my hypocrisies for instance when i make food i'm really serious in the kitchen about like not bringing bad vibes in like you can ruin a dinner if you're like tense around my soup for instance yeah um so like sure ben's like oh you don't believe in magic but i'm gonna fuck up the soup if i'm like worried about something i'm like i don't know i i can't i don't make up the rules i just know what feels right to me you can't be tense around the soup so it's a similar thing with like um telepathy in jamming is like i don't believe in a lot of like it doesn't I literally, maybe I'm like one of those people who like does, has no empathy or something, someone who doesn't understand suffering until it happens to them. I'm like that with like woo-woo shit. Like with woo-woo. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. it unless it happens to me. So I, I really genuinely have never had a supernatural ghosty experience. It's almost exclusive, almost nothing. I've tried really hard when I was little to like have them. A guy died in my mom's bedroom. I used to sit where he sat to try to like get the vibe. I have had no scare nothing supernatural like literally has ever happened to me nothing about any speaking of astrology nothing astrological has ever been accurate it's the and not even that it hasn't even been flattering jason how am i gonna like it right how (laughs) dare you astrology how dare you yeah yeah no kidding (laughs) so um within that telepathy within music you know when you have friends when you have people you're close to that you just lock in with you don't know why but you're like oh you're about to be my best friend sure you know what i mean yeah it's like that it's like you are you're you're locked in and you're just like um like it and i become increasingly more um like ham-fisted trying to describe it so well, yeah, because what you're talking about is like, thankfully, a moment where 
you don't have to think about what you're feeling you're experiencing you're just totally making something you're in the right zone you're in the you're in the place that you're trying to get to most of the time you're in the unconscious mind (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and I think that that's such a I mean the reason that we have such a hard time describing those experiences is because they're so rare you know I mean we don't get to feel them as much as we as much as we might hope I mean there are people of course who are better at getting to those places than others and certainly I think that you know in the world of music we've all encountered those kinds of people who can just go straight there you know but for me at least it takes a lot of preparation and openness and the right the right spirit so I I think you can sort of hear that on on this record was this the first time you guys had worked with Jason at, at Black Dirt Studio or had you guys recorded there before um I I don't know, maybe Pete or Shaw could have done stuff. I, that was the first time for me. I knew Jason, but I had never recorded there. Rhonda, uh, Rick Bishop, Chris Corsano, and uh, Ben Chasney, they had recorded with Jason and said it was great. And yeah. so um, I was just like, I really want it. Because the previous record, we were like, we're not going to do like any studio time. We're going to do like, you know, like everything's going to kind of be like just a really organic, like uh, like live jams with like a little bit of like sewing in of other things and we did some recording in the studio but it was kind of like you know this one we were like let's just be really spontaneous let's really just play together and like have that organic closeness kind of um just be committed to tape like whatever it is whatever happens or whatever and so yeah and Jason's amazing and he's really just like ahead so he just wanted to be like whoa like what if like so to some extent I was like no you need to be meaner to us we will do bad time wasting things if you don't yell at us (laughs) yeah you need to be yeah studio managed or whatever yeah. <laughs> to some extent but he was so good at like just being like there was a thing that we did that was literally checking mics and we were like oh it's like it kind of turned into like playing and he was like okay I was just trying to dial in the sounds but I started recording because it sounded really good and so then we like that ended up going on to the EP that we uh put out over the summer and it was just like it was literally called check and levels for like, <laughs> like yeah years yeah but, yeah do do titles come late to you guys usually? Are they one of the the last things, or it depends. you know what? Yeah, yeah, it depends on like uh, I don't know if the song started as something with like lyrics and structure, then probably it, it has a title already. But if something comes yeah. out of an improvisation, then it does not have a title at all. Lyrically, what did it look like for you going into this record? Did you have a lot of this stuff sort of written out? Um, you know, pre like lyrically previously? I had a lot of, I have a lot always of writing. Not all of it is, it's, there's just a lot. There's like a lot. I write a lot. I don't know, like not, again, it's not like, oh God, they're all just like nuggets of gold. Like you should release it all. It's so <laughs> perfect and good. It's not, it's just that I write a lot and that's just what I do. So, um, there was some songs were just completely written actual songs where I was like I don't like this song it's stupid but I guess I could play it with you and then we played it and they Ben I'm sorry uh John and Pete did something so outside of how I had envisioned something that I was like you made my sucky thing good so it's like (laughs) it was it was like really cool in that way but then other stuff was um there was like 
little bits written of stuff and then it just kind of like changed in the improvisation to like just in the moment like sort of more free yapping and um yeah how about with stuff like um guitar stuff do you usually go in with a lot of specific stuff written there too or was there on this particular record at least more of that sort of we're going to improv and then things are going to start to form out of that that's a good question i think there is a certain sometimes i will for freer stuff i might i might or anyone might say like for the guitar tone can it sound like can we kind of like call up this vibe or can it be sort of this but then you know with with more structured songs which for some reason i'm more um dismissive of I'm like oh that was some stupid thing but I, I like because I've hung out with it more or something like there was more written guitars but I I often pull we pull those either out of the mix or down because I'm like nah just like boring like yeah chords. but yeah <laughs> I, I I wonder about some of the stuff like you know we already have talked a little bit about um about the song 2020, I wanted to talk about CD-ROM a little bit. Um, that's, so is that the kind of like, what does the journey look like from the page to the microphone for something like that? Is that, you know, wh what, where did, where did it start? Is it like a, is it part of a journal thing? Is it, you know, how, how did it work? Yeah, it, that was really, um, that was the one that probably had the most sort of like free um like in the moment kind of like improvising word stuff wise but then there were also things that were written out as well so um we just we the music happened as an improvisation we were it was recorded and then i did a vocal overdub and the vocal overdub was I, I had done a scratch vocal that was kind of some of the stuff that we ended up using. And then I just did an overdub of other stuff. And that was just like, I think it was just like one take of like the song. And then it was like. It's so cool. Uh, I, I love, I love, you know, the line, uh, don't let them tell you hunger is a virtue. Um, I've been thinking about, been thinking about that one a lot because, um, well, 2020, I guess, you know, it's like, uh, there's a lot of people who uh, it is for their benefit that we don't uh, feel too put upon by our constant suffering, you know, and, and I, I, I thought a lot about that, but, but the song doesn't just sort of stay in one zone, it kind of goes all over the map. And it really felt, you know, maybe like, having a conversation with you in a, in a way, you know, the way just sort of like, well, because you're talking about all this interesting stuff. And I mean, there's a second where, I mean, I think there's some Edgar Allan Poe in the mix, you know, where you're like, I don't know if that was, if that was imposed upon it later, but the line about the bricks and, you know, in the yeah, that was... <laughs> um, yeah, there's actually a little section that isn't even from my, life it was literally like um the section about living in a duplex with a lady named Luann that's actually yeah. my my friend Donovan Quinn his um that that was like his he was talking and I was like transcribing what he was saying so that little section is like 
just, he's an amazing storyteller. And yeah. I have ripped his shit off for years. Just like, like there's a, there's a song called, uh, if it's uh, there's a cdr called uh if it's not a ford it sucks i think i probably misinterpreted the i think later donovan was like no it's if it's not a dodge it sucks like i don't know i don't right. it's dodge a ford <laughs> i don't even know anything about cars but he was telling a story about his mom um and like this like this horse he had on his farm and i called the song the scream of the 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 glow of the horses screaming white because that was something so i have just been like ripping donovan off for years and this was another example just a section of that story was absolutely like word for word what he said um yeah and then it's like two sentences of the song and then some of it like uh the hunger is a virtue thing that came from something that i was writing that uh just, you know, obviously we have, wherever you stand, like there is such a darkness around the fact that like America has this history of deifying a certain very specific type of worker, working class um, person. And yet like there is literally, the, almost every moneyed nation in the world has in some way taken care of that class of person or whatever. And here we just have like, your sacrifice is, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for your sacrifice. And it's like, fuck you, <laughs> like, absolutely not. That is not your, your death, your sickness, your pain is not a virtue that needs to be celebrated. It's something that should have been obliterated by the people who have the power to make changes for you. And instead you just get to take pride in how shitty it is for you that you survived that shit. Yeah. 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 This year that's, it's, it's mind blowing, right? Like we saw, I mean, right. As let's say the lockdown started, you know, and who got classified as essential, you know, and then you look at the disparity between what the essential people are paid, you know, and, and how necessary what they're doing is. So it, it really was like, it's nightmarish, right? Like this idea that like, this suffering is acceptable on any level yeah. when, it's, when it's not. And the really basic, just, you know, you know, I think the people that died would be glad that they sacrificed their life so the economy wouldn't shut down. There's just, what the, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just like mind boggling. And yeah, I'm I don't ahead. remember. Yeah, I don't remember which specific villain said something exactly like that this year on the, on the news, but there More was one, one. I mean, just like you heard so many people saying, like, Grandma would like it, you know, if you could go to Halloween spirit, you know, and, and get whatever. <laughs> I'm totally ripping off what's his name, Tim Robinson there, the I think you should leave comedian anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so that that that's one of those songs where it does feel like there is, um, you know, there's like, there's that rage, you know, like that you're talking about in that in that line, and then there's the sort of transcendence, you know, of uh, I guess taking mushrooms and sort of having this experience of like understanding what everything is, and it's just wild and beautiful that all that stuff is just kind of like that's what makes it feel so 2020 to me, you know, is that all of that stuff, somebody else's story uh this like moment of glory like glorified understanding 
this rage, this, you know, other stuff that's happening in the basement. It's all in there, you know? And it's like, that's what 2020 feels like, right? Like it's never been more clear and it's never been more kaleidoscopic than right now. So I, I think that song really kind of captures some of that. Well, thanks. That's amazing. That's like, I couldn't, that's so awesome that you, you are hearing that. You, you made a, a solo record in 2014, or it was released in 2014, uh, The Immoralist. Yeah. Uh, which uh, it bears uh, noting features Waka Flock of Flames face on the cover <laughs> and also and also the Enterprise behind you from the Next Generation, which I was. So those are those are you know great great cover things. Um, this record also has really cool cover art. Uh, Thank you. And I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about who painted this the the 2020 cover and did you guys have direction for them? Did somebody suggest the football? How did it how did it work? Well, it's so basically this and like just be like shut up you're being boring now if this gets real boring. All right. So basically um there our friend we have a friend that we met uh through music just Eric Lapierre. He's an architect from Paris and he and his brother Philippe came to a show and we just, it was like that thing with a, with, where I was like, oh, when a band just interlocks, he actually, he invited us to play the uh, anniversary of a building that he had built. And he's such a giant music like freak that he actually invented a type of concrete that is, um, and he called it dead, it's like a dead sea concrete because he loves the band, the dead sea. And he, so he's awesome. just like, he's next level and he um and his brother it was just like that interlocking thing when you meet somebody that you're just like oh no we're about to be best friends we were like we met we were like best friends from the get and we just like into the same shit just like became bros and we've just hung out a lot over the years and his and philippe he was like a weird like food executive or something i don't know he did some crazy french man food stuff he's like but he's a really great artist and he's really smart um kind of weird brained man who um just i mean that like the highest complimentary sense and he actually created the cover philippe lapierre blended so i don't want to um i don't want to take credit it's a little bit you know it's obviously not uh it's not just an invention out of the pure air. It's like, uh, right. So it's a Rousseau painting that I think was maybe called like the footballers or something, but it's actually rugby. And I know this painting. I've no, like I've known it since I was little. For some reason, I just always was really attracted to it. And part of like um, actually when we were shooting the cover of uh, of um, I trust my guitar, like the first LP we ever did, I was like take a picture of us running as fast as we can toward the camera downhill. And it was kind of that image from the Rousseau painting in my mind a little bit, but then mm. I, I had kind of just like forgotten about it. And then I read this book. Um, it was, it was about a specific artist, but it was about like the Belle Epoque in France or whatever. Am I saying that right? Belle? I only, I know how to read yeah. words, but I can't say them with my mouth parts. Uh, <laughs> I think you got it right. I share that with you too. So I might not be a good judge. Okay. But, <laughs> I think that's like a good, I feel like that's like a, a good thing when like you can read words and you know what they mean, but you can't say them because you're 
arranged. Okay, so yeah. um, <laughs> so basically, like uh, it was about this artist named uh, Robert Delaunay, which I'm also probably saying wrong, but uh, it talked about it was it was it was a time in France where there was like all of this uh, kind of like fiscal. Um, prosperity and also like industrialization was starting so there was this brand new kind of weird non everything that you had to do was like your body and then all of a sudden all of this mechanization came in and this influx of money and the mechanical and life got a little bit like generalized even in poverty life got a little there's like a little bit of an ease or something but there was also alongside that ease there was this like uh separation of the body and the mind there was this like dichotomy that happened and so sport became like especially very like brutal violent physical sport became like a just like swept the nation it was a giant trend part of like a the painting that Rousseau did of the these rugby players or whatever was part of that like uh romanticizing or idealization of of this physical body of the the blood you know and like the the mm -hmm. violence and i just thought it was so cool because when you like if you look at like a parallel with like right after this kind of peaceful uh jubilant joyful uh prosperous time they got, you know, World War One, tuberculosis, like they got too much of the body and they got too much of the blood. But like before yeah. that, they were like that, that, that thing was like, a, and this full contact thing. And I know this is like weird, but there was a, there was a, a, a group of, of humans that were, uh, that wrote a book. They used a, they used a pseudonym, but I didn't know anything about them before I read this book about um, this artist, but they wrote a, something in like 1912 or around those times that was called um, Les Gens. Let's see if I can say it in French, hold on. I know. I'm down. Okay, Les Gens d'aujourd'hui. So that means essentially the youth of today. And it's a, they talk a lot about how like rugby and these violent sports and the body and a return to blood and a return to like masculine and I just thought it was super funny I grew up in Connecticut it was so funny to like uh kind of like meet this idea while reading this book about an artist that I thought was because late 80s early 90s you had youth crew hardcore right and what yeah. was that except this return to like this this kind of like first of all in the same way that like a painting of sports guys was kind of a departure from what the subject of painting was allowed to be in terms of mm -hmm. like the larger scale of like, okay, you're allowed to have um, like a beautiful woman or a bowl of fruit, but like you weren't painting random sports, ran you know, like you weren't, that wasn't a painting yeah. subject and Rousseau made it a painting subject and this like right. the move, that movement made it a subject for art. So, there's a band called Youth of Today from Connecticut. And like some of the quotes from this book could have been like Youth of Today lyrics. And it just cracked my <laughs> brain up and it brought me back to that Rousseau painting. And I just was like looking at it, I was like, oh, that's so amazing. And, it, and culturally, it kind of a little bit to some extent ran a parallel, right? Because you had when, you know, when history ended or whatever, when history stopped, it was like, 
pretty chill, a lot of prosperity, moving, you know, instead of the industrial revolution, the technological revolution, again, that dichotomy, taking away the brain from the body and this kind of desire for like a masculine blood violence right before like our endless magical oil field wars are now pandemic yeah. the blood and the body come right fucking back right and bef- like yeah. there, there was this little halcyon bookend in this and i just it just cracked me up the parallel and the weird uh like i don't know so then i was like hey Philippe, pete shaw we should do this as a cover just kind of like yeah. I also had done like a sketch that ended up being the other side of the cover. So I was like, we could use this too. I did a drawing. And <laughs> I talked to Pete and Sean and was like, you know, whatever. And Pete was like, dude, we should definitely do that. And I didn't tell him any of the background. I was just like, check out this. This is what our cover should be. Pete did every, he was like, I sent it to Philly. Pete's working on it right now. And I'm like, what? No, I don't know for sure. And then I saw it. It just made me laugh. It looks like a prog record. It does. It does. I loved. I love that it looks like a prog rock record. Yeah. And I love that this this intense backstory of the cover. Which I mean, <laughs> look, I'm gonna be honest. When you ask a question like that, you hope that the answer is that cool. You know, like <laughs> this cover. Most of the time, it's like, well, our friend took that photo, and it was like. That looked cool. You know, the end. <laughs> Usually it is like that. <laughs> kind of. Right, right. I mean, well, I mean, it's such an interesting, I mean, talking about the thematic quality of the record and the contextualization of the record as a 2020 record called 2020, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, like, you know, it's funny that the, 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 for most people that I know sort of in like the music world, you know, or record store world or anything like that, you know, the circles I travel in. It was when South by Southwest got canceled that everything was like, oh, wait a minute. This is like a, this is a big deal, you know? That's how, that's when I felt that. But it was actually when the NBA canceled a couple days later that most everybody was, that's when they realized, oh no. So sports in this, in our, in our country, you know, uh, basketball certainly not being the most violent one <laughs> going on, but um, you know, like there, there is, some, there is a lot of, there is something interesting about that, right? Like yeah. that, that like this is this thing that we we crave so much, you know. That uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the weird things with like the digital fans in so weird, yeah. You couldn't, you know, Philip K. Dick could not have written this more, you know, oh, like. No. Uh, dystopian and stuff so but I do think about that I think about how you know like you said our relationship with blood and with the body and with every it's like this is a reminder that you don't you don't escape the physical right you know yeah yeah and now a word from our sponsor creators are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes Social media and streaming platforms help people find your work, but getting you paid is another story. Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers. Using it, you can develop a sustainable income source by offering a recurring membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to your exclusive community, premium content, and a chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken. Sign up on Patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. 
and start building the steady income stream you deserve. And now, back to transmissions. You've made a lot of kinds of music, you know, and your solo record is a lot of song-based stuff, and there are parts of this that are very song-based, you know, but then there's also just the sort of, like, the very, you know, intense, avant-garde, noise side of things. Um, you know, has that, does that side of, of, of what you do creatively, does that feel tied almost to that sort of understanding of physicality or, or you know, at least sonic violence as something that you find to be sort of an interesting place to explore? Yeah, I think of, uh, you know, I think what's, what's weird is like, if you conceive of yourself as like, uh, I remember when Merkers first started and you, this might happen to everyone, but for me, it was very, very shocking and like, tectonic shifting of my brain happened because of it. I think my whole life, I hadn't really like identified with like my body as, or the way I, I just like live, I was really, really just like my, I still think of myself as like a weird floating brain. I don't think about like my genitals or my boobs or like my fucking face or any of that stuff. It just wasn't, maybe I was raised in a way where like none of that was important, but that's not true. Cause my dad would be like, you got a big pimple on your face. So I, I did have some like, you know, uh, sure. awareness Thanks, of how man. I look or, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to give a shout out to my dad for another thing that he said once, which was, he said something to me and I said, dad, I was 15 and he was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, something kind of rude that he said, I'm sure I was being rude. I was a teenager. And I was like, dad, what you're saying is going to give me low self-esteem. And he said, if that gives you low self-esteem, you don't deserve to have self-esteem. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. We still quote it to this day. It's like a, it's like a Christmas uh, tradition that we always talk about. My yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, but certainly it doesn't sound like you're not talking about being raised in a, you, you just I, didn't, you I weren't was, thinking about your body. I wasn't. And I wasn't really made to feel like I was a, a lady or a dude or, you know, any, like, there was not a ton of like focus on my weight. I mean, I, I'm blessed in that way. None of like the stuff that a lot, I feel like a lot of uh, people had to kind of fight it through. I didn't have it the same exact way. So because I conceived of myself as a floating brain, when I was perceived as a woman by others, I was really, I was like, like somebody was like, she's not hot. I think she's, she's got, she's the wrong, you know, or somebody like, she's hot. And I was like, what the fuck? Because no one yeah. ever, like, I don't know, just like seeing me as a woman doing stuff instead of seeing me as, because in my brain, I was like, I probably look just like Ian McKay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, I guess in my brain, I probably like uh, identified with either a floating brain or like a little dude who was like, I don't know. So that for me was really weird because I would try to physically like sort of like be present in my body and kind of like let what was happening be physically like, especially when, before you like learn, <laughs> not everyone plays a lot of shows before they learn chords on the guitar, but I did, Jason, I did. <laughs> and um, <laughs> when, uh, when we would play shows, it would be very physical, just sort of like feeling the rhythm of what Pete and Leah at the time were doing and just sort of like letting what they were doing set my pacing. And it was really physical. Uh, 
and completely body-based. And then to have that then be like interpreted as something that was, it's neither here nor there. It's hardly like even worth talking about, but to have some of that, and it's old, old, old news, but to have that be interpreted as like sexual or something was like really weird for me because I was mm -hmm. just like physically like present. And even later, like, like I was like, ew, yeah, this dude said this gross thing to me about this thing. It was fucking like, what the hell? Like, I'm just like really tough. I don't know. In my head, I remember like, I, I was like, oh, I should stand like James Hetfield. That's, that's how like you should stand when you're playing guitar, you know, like that yeah, pretty, pretty wide stance, it's right? It's a wide kind of like tough guy, you know, like it's like fucking like squared shoulders. Like I had yeah. like, you know, this thing, you have these like thing, images in your brain. And so, yes, it was super physical. And then it kind of like ended up having weird, a lot of people are not as uptight as me. They wouldn't give a shit. I'm from Connecticut. I'm a floating brain. I don't understand these sensualities. They confuse and muddle my brain. So uh, all of that really like disturbed my my uptight ass. And uh, <laughs> I was like, no, that's weird. The weird, yeah. So um, I I still think that if you're engaging with something on a on a sincere and a like on a like if you're if you're engaging by listening to each other and being really present as corny as that word is like what what comes out is it you're not it's just going to be what's ha what's actually happening in that moment so if it right. wasn't physical at all that would make no it would just it would have nothing that would not be music right like music right is bodily it really it's it's bodily this year has obviously been a, a year where people have had to i think examine their relationship to the bodily aspect of music like the phys the physical side of things right oh my god who knew who yeah. knew how yeah i literally can't fucking believe how much i miss shows i thought yeah have you ever been bored at a show I mean, of course. Yeah, I right? thought, yeah. I can't even remember being bored at a show. I can't I remember like being shoulder to shoulder with someone and seeing some Yahoo sit on the stage and do something and being having the temerity to be bored. How dare right. I have? I would give my eye teeth to just like be like fucking chock a block with some idiots in a room, sweating, watching some dum dum do something I hated. I would love right. that. Like, <laughs> I didn't know how bad it would be and how much I needed that. I didn't. Well, know. sure. I'm. I, I, yeah. I don't think I did either. I don't know. You know, it's this weird thing, right? Where it's like, uh, there were points of my life where I was at a show, you know, four nights a week sometimes, <laughs> right? you know? Uh, and weren't you just like, I want to die? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's weird because because it, it, it wasn't until I started to get a little bit older and I started to need more sleep and the idea <laughs> of, the idea of staying at a show until whatever, two in the morning and then just like, I'm just going to drive my car to work and I'll just sleep in my car for a couple hours and then I'll go into work and it won't oh. be that bad. Yeah. You know? Like that feeling of just like just being Im immersed in live music. But 
you know, over the last couple of years, I've become much more comfortable and I've become much more uh, uh, accustomed to sleep. So, you know, there's lots of nights where I'm like, boy, this show's going on tonight, but uh, I don't think I'm gonna make it out. You know, I'll, I'll catch up next time. And it's just this feeling now of just like, boy, how many of those moments, you know, feel like they're they're biting back at us? Cause you just wish you could go see anything or go do anything. And then when you watch these streams, you don't feel that physical thing that you're talking about as much as I've seen great ones. And yeah. I really, some of them, I mean, uh, William, I watched this William Tyler thing last night it and it was just like, it was so good. And I felt like spiritually uplifted, but it didn't have that physical thing of like the bass amp kind of like rattling you just a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that listening to this record, you know, there is that what, you guys did a great job capturing that physical, that, that feeling of like a rumble, you know, like a rumbling band, you know, that's like pretty essential to what you guys do. But I have to wonder, how does it feel knowing that you've got these songs, but you don't know when you're going to get out to, to sort of explode them in front of people? How does, how does I mean, do you feel okay at the moment? I... What helps you feel okay if you do? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question because it's, this is so divorced from how, like, when a record comes out, you're like, oh, like, you're, to some, so, so I, I joked about, like, like, being in a room where you're just, like, bored and annoyed, like, that you're, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe there's five bands, oh, my God, who puts, there's a, there's six bands, are you fucking serious? Like, you know, where you're just, like, you know, tired and, like, kind, or just, like, now I know it to be um, like oblivious to how cool what it is mm -hmm. that's happening is just, it was just your everyday life. So normally when a record's about to come out there, you know, we had, you know, set up a tour in July and had like, you know, two weeks we're gonna do in July and then we we're gonna do a couple weeks in the fall and, you know, kind of just do like little like two week guys here and there and maybe some weekend stuff or whatever and it puts you in the like music changes so much when you play it live every night and it and like just I credit touring in general with just like making my brain better like it every night you're back just for me as a, a person with numerous executive function disorders it was very positive to you know your back is against the wall every night you have to produce work and mm -hmm. it might suck or it might be good or 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 you're like the energy of the humans that you're around is creating the work there too so you have this really positive lovely kind of like exchange and you know you see your your friends and you you see like what people are I mean, just culturally, like, you're like, oh my God, I've never heard this before. What is this? You know, you play records at people's houses and they turn you on to stuff and they're like, oh yeah, check out this book. And I just, I feel like I have like a, a weird gauze where it's just like my, my brain. I don't want just my brain. Like I, want, yeah, I need yeah. more brain. Like I, I love the energy and the loop of other humans, um, kind of like making me better most of I would say everyone I'm friends with is way smart like oh um, I would I would say almost everyone I'm friends with is way smarter than me and way uh like helps me to think in different ways and conceive of things in different ways and uh pushes me 
um, intellectually and like emotionally to be a better person and just ethically, like that's what I value in the people, especially from, I would say in this particular little like microcosmic scene of humans, there's just some mind blowers out there and they're just like, walking around like they're not mind blowers and right so it's like it's like that is what is really different to me and what I really 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 miss because of of how essential it is to my brain and my life I have some family that is unwell and I'm going to be traveling east which is weird because I have been on like there's people on normal lockdown and then there's people who have managed to uh be on straight up three miles from their house at all times lockdown. And I'm in that category. I have barely let, like we went swimming in June. Yeah. An hour and a half and south of here in a river, in a forest. It was amazing. That is that furthest. Fantastic. Thank you. That's the furthest I've been from home since. Yeah. Like, and, and this is the longest I've ever been away from new England and um, my, my family. I, we got a house in, in Humboldt County, which is fucking miracle that the best place I've ever lived in my life happened to coincide with being locked into your house. For, I don't yeah. know. We've lived in apartments. I've had like wildly bad roommates. <laughs> like I can't imagine what my life would be like if I was like stuck in lockdown with like a dude. <laughs> He's a super sweet dude, but his friend like stole my piggy bank and my Dr. Doom record. It was not cool. And like, <laughs> so imagine if you were like locked out in those situations. Um, sure. Sure. So this was, this was for me, like very, I feel like super grateful and lucky, but, uh, missing how the normal move of a record cause, cause touring on the, the new record is also like, then you, you're like, oh hell no I'm sick of this shit let's write a new record like when you right and then you wear those songs out and you're just like oh new songs new songs and it, it helps you know it makes you want to write new stuff I mean yeah the Sarnia the Fantasy Tour the the touring on that record that came out four million years ago that record I wrote a bunch of the stuff that uh, anyway that's where I get like yeah so yeah. I've eloquently described exactly what I mean. I've been very clear and lucid in this uh, <laughs> answer. But um, but yeah, so I'm traveling east for the first time in the history of my pandemic experience on Wednesday. And I'm like, this, yeah. it's crazy. So I'm really excited to be going home to my land, to my people. Yeah. Like my pizza that I love and miss so very much. Pizza yeah. is not the same. Well, I'm, so I'm in Arizona, so I'm, I'm West Coast uh, by default, you know, ish. Once we fall into the ocean, you'll be coastal. I can, I mean, look, and no, no offense to you guys, but I'm ready for my oceanfront property here. Um, <laughs> the Cascadian subduction zone has your back. <laughs> yeah, no, we, sometimes I joke with my wife, um, like everybody, uh, <laughs> about what's going to happen you know, it, uh, in November, I mean, like, you know, I, I, we, we, I, I made the joke once I said, uh, you know, someday we might need to move to another country and everybody laughed. And then I said, well, hell someday where I'm at might become a new country. So who, you know, there's, there's really no saying, you know, so, um, 
I do think about what, <laughs> what you're talking about, though. And uh, I do think that this year, people have had to examine their relationship to place just as much as they have their live music, you know? So uh, to actually, to close, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how different it feels to be out West when, you know, New England and, and the East, you know, has been such a big part of your life. I mean, um, how, I mean do, do you, we'll start broadly. Do you like it out there? <laughs> I do. And like, I, I just, I feel really lucky that, you know, like I have like a person in my life who I like this much that like is constantly kind of challenging me and inspiring me. Like, and that's the, like that this person is in my life at a time where I'm locked into a house. Cause you know, you've been in probably relationships with people where you're like, yeah, we're we, we are still dating. I'm not totally, um, well, you know, and I just feel lucky that this person that like, I really like better than almost anyone in the world is like the person I'm locked down with. And I live in a place that's just stupid, beautiful, like just every second you go somewhere and you're just like, Oh, look at that. That's ridiculous. It's enormous, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous here. And, you know, outside of kind of my imaginative uh, brain for like during, if you grow up somewhere where things look one way, which is also very beautiful. I love new England, but this is everything's huge here. The beach is huge. The highways are huge. The trees are huge. Everything's like the vegetables grow bigger. It's just new England is like, I was built by one man who paved a cow pass. And like, yeah. <laughs> here is just this. It, it just seems like something that was built by imaginary, mythical. Well, I, it seems like Paul Bunyan did actually like do the West or whatever. It's just such a huge right. scale of things. So it's beautiful. And it's like, there's not real winter, which is weird. I was like eating lemons off a tree in December. That's so strange and surreal. It feels, yeah. and me, that's probably why the pandemic happened. It was punishment for my, <laughs> my plenty. As a Puritan, I know now why this happened. It was to punish me for how beautiful things were. Um, yeah. But all that said, the pizza is way inferior and the Mexican food's way better. So there's really good tacos really stupid pizza and i think like that's really wrapped things up i think I've yeah i think that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's what we'll we'll title this episode uh really good tacos and really bad pizza you know? <laughs> uh, well it's been really really uh like a great pleasure talking with you same uh, here this has been like a fun conversation that's always the hope, you know? Um, and uh, this one was, I'm gonna be honest, more fun than a lot of them. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I caught you in like a uh, pandemic time capsule mode. You know what I mean? Cause you're gonna go someplace and you're gonna have experiences and I'm sure you're gonna be I'm gonna feel whatever. different. Like a little a, different. In a week, I'm gonna be like, ah, I saw my dad. Yeah. <laughs> ah, like. I ate, you know, Pepe's pizza and Elmwood pizza and pasta pizza. I'm a totally like normal person again. Yeah. You're going to have a lot, you're going to have a lot of pizza adventures. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad that, I'm glad that we were able to talk though. And I really appreciate you taking the time here on a Sunday and it's been great having you on Transmissions. It's been great to be on Transmissions. Thank you so much seriously for asking me to do this. I, you guys are awesome. And uh, thanks for your close listen to the record. It's so really, really nice to talk about it. Thank you.
Dream Drunkard Transmissions podcast. I'm your host, Jason P. Woodbury. I write and produce the show. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Michael Krasner records supplemental audio. Jonathan Mark Walls does video production. Art by Dean Orson and Heavy Hymns. Executive producer and guru, Justin Gage. If you enjoyed our show, please share it with a friend. Let them know they can get it wherever they listen to podcasts and direct from Aquarium Drunkard. If you want to take your support a step further, check us out over on Patreon. Transmissions airs every Wednesday with bonus drops when we feel like it. We'll be back next week with another strange talk for these strange times. You can't shatter. You can't see.